Welcome to the Bubble Lounge. I'm Nellie Shudo. And I'm Martha Jackson. And today on our show, we have Amy Herrig, who is an author, an entrepreneur, an HP mom, and she is facing jail time. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Amy, you have quite the incredible story. You've overcome a lot of obstacles the past few years, and I want you to just kind of take it from the beginning, like where you grew up, your childhood, what that was like, and... What else happened? Yeah, so I'm actually a Dallasite. I mean, not many people seem to be from here anymore. Um, I didn't spend most of my childhood here, though. We moved um, a little bit south of here in a little, little bitty town called Clifton, Texas, when I was in third grade. But Dallas was always home. We always had a place here. My parents worked here. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in Dallas and came right back up here after I graduated. Um, and so, yeah, had a great childhood, um, wonderful parents. Um, quintessential hippies, so my life was a little unorthodox compared to a lot of my um, childhood friends, especially in rural Cowtown, Texas. But yes. um, and their business was very counterculture. Um, a chain of smoke shops called the Gas Pipe. <laughs> I so, remember those. Here. I'm from Fort Worth. I remember the, the, the big store there on Camp Bowie. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, um, so yeah. And then my parents divorced um, when I was a senior in high school, and I did not handle it well. I'm an only child, and they were my rock, my foundation, and life kind of spiraled out of control. And that was my first um, sort of crossroads in life where I went the wrong way, found myself with a really bad drug addiction, heroin addiction, about as bad as it gets. Um, I had what we refer to today as the bad news boyfriend, um, Mm -hmm. who was more than happy to help me drown all my sorrows in whatever substance we could find. And so long story short, at about 21, um, he was arrested and taken out of the picture. I was able to start life over and seemingly went through my life, got married for the first time, had my wonderful kids, went to work with my dad running the gas pipes and other businesses that we had acquired at that point, and um, eventually did get divorced, but that wasn't overly traumatic. It was amicable. Then met the love of my life. Things were still going wonderful, had everything in the world I could possibly want, um, except we had entered into a business decision through the gas pipe stores that led to a whole lot of legal troubles. Well, Nellie said something when she introduced you that really kind of caught my ear. She said that you're facing jail time. Yes. What exactly happened? So um, in June 4th, 2014, I can't believe we're going on seven years. We call it D-Day in our family world. Um, The federal government came in and raided my home, raided every single business we had, um, seized every single bank account. Um, I mean, my father's savings, the company's savings that had been earned over 45 years, Um, No warning, no cease and desist, no, hey, you really shouldn't be selling this product. And it was all because of one product that we were selling um, that, you know, in hindsight was not a good product to be selling, but we understood it to be legal. Um, It was being sold everywhere. It's not a case of like everyone was doing it, so that makes it okay, but it was. I mean... To, just to tell the audience, the product was? Um, it's uh, called Herbal Incense. It's what some people would call K2. I hesitate to use the K2 name because it's this umbrella name that describes a lot of things. Um, that's a whole nother subject I could get into. But mm-hmm. it was a product that was sold as an herbal incense that people would buy and smoke. Okay. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it was. Um, not a great thing. Not something that's like positive or certainly healthy for people to be putting into their body. But that's what it was. And it was a business decision that we made in 
2010 um, because we had customers requesting it. Um, we it, it was a business decision, and we had no idea at the time you know, exactly really what it was, how it was going to implode as a business. I mean, just go crazy. And um, it was definitely an example of of greed. Um, I think there's a fine line when you're running a business between I have to do this because there's a customer demand and it makes business sense versus I'm going to keep doing it because we're making so much money and who wants to stop? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was fascinated by your story because I read about, I mean, you, you guys had grown to be so big. You mm-hmm. had airplanes in Alaska. You had a fleet, yeah. right? Yes, and I think that was attractive to the government. Um, you know, if we didn't have a lot of things to take, I'm not sure that the same actions would have been taken against mm-hmm. us um, because the legal um, ordeal started as a civil suit where they seized everything. No criminal charges were filed. And for an entire year, there weren't any criminal charges filed. And then they finally filed criminal charges to substantiate why they were holding on to our stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that fast forwards to 2015, we were um, indicted with 17 federal charges that would have resulted in life in prison had we been convicted of all of them, or even a couple of them. Um, Yeah, they all were a zero to life um, sentence, except Mm -hmm. for one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll just skip ahead. And that was the one that we um, were found guilty on at trial. So Thankfully, it wasn't the big stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was We were found guilty of misbranding a product, mislabeling a product, which mm-hmm. is actually an FDA issue, and the FDA never investigated us. So that's kind of a whole interesting thing in itself. But um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, my dad did time in prison. He got released due to COVID, so we were very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. He lives with us right now in house arrest, mm-hmm. and we have an appeal pending, and I'm facing a report date um, barring the appeal. Mm-hmm. So. Well, drug laws can be very vague, and I understand that you exposed some loopholes in the federal <laughs> drug laws. We did, um, and as um, devious as that sounds, it didn't seem that devious at the time, but that's exactly what it was, was a loophole. Um what is a little more devious about it um, is the government side of it. Um, th- there's a very complicated drug law called the Analog Act, and I won't bore everyone with all the scientific details of it, but it does get very, very scientific. And the DEA has an entire team of chemists that do nothing but evaluate drugs to see if they meet the definition of an analog. And they stopped using that team at a certain point because certain members of the team were saying, we don't think it meets the definition of an analog. And the DEA would say, well, we're just going to charge people with it anyway. So that was a big part in our case is we had DEA agents as our witnesses saying, we told them this didn't meet the definition of an analog. And then yet they charged us with it anyway. So so a question about that. State to state, we've learned this through the mask laws, et cetera. Yes. State to state, everything is so different. Right. So did it help you or hurt you to be here in our state? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, So it's a federal law that we were accused of violating. Um, When you're dealing with federal law, it's not so much state to state, it's circuit to circuit. Mm -hmm. So we're in the Fifth Circuit, for example, which encompasses Texas, Louisiana, and I believe Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Um, Different circuits can interpret statutes, federal statutes, differently. And this is why we have the Supreme Court. And we often hear about things going to the Supreme Court because they say there's been a split decision in the country. Like the Fifth Circuit may interpret it one way and the Ninth Circuit interprets it another. Mm -hmm. And so eventually it goes to the Supreme Court. And um, I can discuss 
address this because it's a matter of public record. Part of our appeal is actually one of the statutes that we violated under this mislabel, or that we were accused of violating under this mislabeling um, accusation, and. It is in a split circuit. One district, one circuit has interpreted it one way; mm-hmm. another hasn't. And it could be that we go to the Supreme Court eventually because mm-hmm. this and and this statute has nothing to do with this product. It, it's a fraud statute. It gets very very complicated. So. Yeah, you hope that if you're accused of something federally, you're in the circuit that's currently interpreting it in your favor or that the Supreme Court's already made a decision. Mm -hmm. And they had actually made a ruling on the Analog Act about two years before we went to trial that helped us. And the government could have and should have backed off then, but they didn't. Yeah. And so it was very interesting. Well, you're a mom, just like most of our listeners. You have two kids in the school right now. And you have spent years trying fighting, trying not to to keep yourself out of jail. And I'm just wondering, you know, being a mom on a normal life is extremely (laughs) stressful and hard. And then add COVID and then this. (laughs) Yes. And some other things that you've gone through. How did you juggle everything? A lot of hope, a lot of faith, a lot of prayer, a lot of, um, it was, my my kids were in fifth grade when it happened. Um, Well, I'm sorry, they were, they had just graduated fourth grade. So I have twins. And, um, they were at the house when it happened, and I was not. So that was um, pretty traumatic. Um, I get emotional, sorry. Um, yeah. But they're just amazing. And, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I've spent seven years of their lives, so, you know, a good portion of their lives um not kind of knowing what the future held. And it's my cousin who I was talking with the other day said, yeah, and the goalpost keeps moving. I mean, the big thing, of course, was going to trial and hoping we didn't um, get, you know, convicted of of life in prison, something Mm -hmm. that would lead to life Mm -hmm. in prison. So that didn't happen. And we went home that night, the day of the verdict, and had a big party because even though we had been convicted by the jury of this one count, it was like so much better than it it could have been. been. And I wasn't taken away in handcuffs that day and our businesses could continue and I got to go home and be with my kids. Then there was the sentencing and what was going to happen with that. And it was like, okay, well, we're hoping for at least this or, you know, maybe even probation. And, you know, so then that didn't happen the way we thought it would. But she, the judge, allowed me to stay out while my dad went in. So that was, and then plus knowing we were going to file an appeal, well, I think she knew we would file an appeal. Mm -hmm. And so now the goalpost is this appeal. And so it's always something. And I mean, the outcome is less egregious and scary with each step. But yeah, it's still, I mean, I, we sometimes laugh, not that there's anything funny about this, but like, what will life be like when this is not hanging over our heads anymore? And yeah, and then I had cancer in the middle of the legal stuff. And that delayed trial even more because I had to deal with cancer. And anyway, so my kids, though, I think it's been, my daughter is um, hoping to go to law school. I mean, it it really changed her um, dramatically, but gave her a lot of insight to our justice system and how things work and um, how fortunate we are as a family to have been able to um, fight the justice system because most people cannot and the government banks on that and it's it's really sad and really scary how how things work Mm -hmm. and I don't think most people realize that and I don't think most people realize how the government can just come in I mean we could talk all day about what I did and if it was a good thing or not but you know people don't understand how powerful our government really is 
and how they can just come in and turn your complete your life completely upside down with no warning or explanation. Well, and, and I give you a lot of credit because I feel like waiting for the gallows to fall, so to speak, which you've been doing, <laughs> is literally like a, like a cancer sentence of you know, not really you're not knowing the 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 goalpost. Like you said, it keeps moving. And I also give you credit for being a really good mom because obviously. Obviously, your children wow. completely support you, and um, and are learning something from it. And I don't know. That just says so much about who you are as a person. Well, thank and you. I, I just want to say, you have managed somehow <laughs> to turn some of this into positive effects. Yeah, I, I I'd like to think I have. There there were some. And if I interrupted you, I'm sorry. No, but no, no, no. There were some definitely aha moments in in the ordeal leading up to trial. Um, you know, I learned to really be in the moment. I, I struggle with that sometimes still. I think we all mm-hmm. do. Um, but I it, I was forced to look at every day as sort of potentially my last. And I don't mean that in a grim way, but it, it makes you really just enjoy what you have in front of you in that moment. Um and I was forced to, you know, figure out how to, like, focus on what needed to be done here and now. And my kids, I mean, my kids saved me. I'm, I'm not sure how I would have gotten out of bed some days if they didn't, you know, need me. And so that was a really, you know, great thing to be able to focus on them, mm-hmm. um, even though I couldn't focus 100% of the time. Um, and then cancer was, you know, we were a year from going to trial when I got diagnosed. And I literally remember being in my car and pulling over. It was within a couple days of being diagnosed and saying, okay, God, I think we had a miscommunication. I was saying I didn't want to go to trial, but I mean, this isn't You don't like, need to block it this Yeah, way. I mean, this, this isn't quite what I meant, but, um, and then there was a very short time period they thought I might have had, uh, my cancer had spread, which it hadn't. Um, and that was another moment, like, okay, wait a second. Like, I really, like, I know I haven't been living, but I, I really don't want to die. Like, even if I go to prison, like, I could at least be, you know, sort of kind of part of things. Mm-hmm. And then my cousin lost her husband to cancer a year after I had been in treatment and it was very sudden and he was like this great like perfect I never did anything wrong and I was like okay wait God I'm kind of a train wreck I've done all these things that I wished I hadn't but I'm trying to do better but why'd you take him I mean like you know and and so that was really a big moment where I said okay so I'm here and I gotta like do some things differently and quit making these stupid choices in my life. Like mm-hmm. not necessarily illegal choices, but you know, choices based on greed, choices based on, you know, money, status, a lot of wrong things. And yeah, so I I, I slowly started doing a lot of things really differently in my life. And um, now I have this nonprofit that kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as flippant as it sounds, but it kind of um, symbolizes the whole metamorphosis I went through um, because I started just seeing the whole world around me differently. And I started seeing how that, you know, it doesn't matter what house you live in or what you drive or how much money you have, you know, we're all kind of the same. And we all put our pants on one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. I, I like to say that a lot. And we're all fallible. And we all, I think shame is a thing that we all carry around um, on some level. We've all done something we wished we hadn't did, whether it was just like something stupid in college or a heroin addiction or, you know, a business decision. I mean, everyone has something. And what I learned is if we don't like honor that in ourselves and just say, hey, yeah, I did this and I've messed up. And then we can project that onto other people in a good way. Like, hey, you know, we're all in this world together. We're all trying to just like live the best life possible. Then, you know, I think we've all achieved something. Mm -hmm. 
So going back, you had mentioned aha moments, and I read with your charity, which you didn't talk much about yet, that you are helping the homeless now. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that's a, yeah, that's the nonprofit that started kind of out of nowhere. I did not set out to start a nonprofit. I started befriending homeless people here and there. The first was a trip to Philadelphia with my husband, and we were going to dinner. And long story short, there was this nice man on the sidewalk. We ended up taking him under our wing all weekend and helping him. He had an interview at Starbucks, and it was this great story. And it just opened my eyes to, like, they're people, and they have a story. They're not just a homeless person. And so, um, yeah, about two years ago, we were having um, our gas pipe annual dart tournament at a bar around the street from our warehouse and office. And I looked out. There was a man sleeping in the stairwell. We had all this food and everything, and I brought a burger over to him, and we started talking. And just, you know, it was one of those where something just took over, and I said, do you want to come to our office tomorrow and take a shower? Because we had a shower facility. It's my favorite part of your story. It really is. Yeah, and it was like, you know, I'm very honest about it. Like, I don't really know why I offered that to him. I mean, really, who says to a stranger? And then bring friends. Yeah, and then bring friends. Yeah, so he came, and I said, bring friends the next day, which was a Tuesday, and he did, and it started out like two, three people every Tuesday, and they would literally eat in our break room with me and our staff. I mean, our my staff probably was like, okay, what is she, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. but no, they were all really um, welcoming and accepting about it. And, and it just, it literally grew from there um, to where we um, started doing it on Tuesdays and Fridays. And then we remodeled a back area of the warehouse, which this is sort of my favorite part. The room that we have, Hopeful Tuesdays, that's the name of the nonprofit in now, um, is where we manufactured and made this horrible product that we sold that got us into so much mm-hmm trouble. And now it's this beautiful space of fellowship and sharing and people coming together and just really, you know, caring about each other. And so, yeah, we serve lunch Tuesday through Fridays, laundry, showers. Um, We have about 30 people come a day and it's just, we help them get identification. Um, Several of them have gotten employed either by us or elsewhere, found housing. We don't provide all of those services like housing and all that, but we have, um, you know, resources that we're able to connect them with. ID is a huge thing. I mean, most of them don't have... because they don't have an ID. They don't have... Most of them don't have ID. Yeah. Well, so do you have any advice to give people if they're in a similar situation? I mean, obviously you've taken, you know, a toad and turned it into a prince in a lot (laughs) of ways. You know, like, what is your advice? I think, um, you know... There's a couple of things I like to tell people, um, whether it's our lunch attendees or just a friend, another HP mom or a friend who I'm talking with that's going through a hard time or that feels like they did something and, you know, they just can't get past it is, you know, I think something's only a mistake in life if you keep doing it over and over again. Otherwise, it's a lesson. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all here to learn and grow. And sometimes those are really hard, big lessons. But um Anything is possible. Um, You don't have to stay where you're at, but you do have to dig deep and do some of that painful work. And, you know, it sounds like I did all this stuff and I, um, you know, overcame everything and I did, but it was a long, you know, hard road. And there were a lot of tears and a lot of facing things that I didn't necessarily want to face, but, you know, you, you have to do that. And then you have to say, okay, but I love myself and that happened and that's part of me, but. I'm going to do differently now. Mm-hmm. And you've even parlayed all of that into a book, which I love the title after hearing your whole story now. It's called no-, no More Dodging Bullets. That is so appropriate. You have dodged more bullets than most of us. Yes, I have, but I don't want to, I mean, it's nice to dodge them, but um, I don't want to put myself in front of them anymore, you know, sure. and that that's right. the no more part is, you know, 
I, and I write in my book, like, enough negative things happen in life that we don't know why and we don't understand. So try and be positive and not do negative things. Mm-hmm. So you've gone through so much the past several years, and your, your family has played a huge role in supporting you, and you're gearing up. I mean, there's a good chance that you will be going to prison at some point in time, and I'm curious, how, how are you preparing mentally, and how is your family supporting you? Well, yeah, my family's everything to me. And and I talked about my kids a little bit earlier. And, you know, I I try not to bombard them with all the daily worries I might have about this because, you know, they're they're kids and and they're resilient and they've done great. And so um, I just try and focus on the good times with them. But my husband, I mean, he's such a rock. Um, We're going on 13 years together, 12 married. So this is encompassed, um, you know, over half of our (laughs) relationship and marriage. Um, you know, nobody signs up for what he ultimately signed up for, mm-hmm. but um, he's just amazing. And, you know, we really just try and focus on the here and now and being together and enjoying the time that, that we have. It's definitely um, brought us even closer. I mean, I didn't think we could become closer, but meaning because we were so, you know, close when we got together, but it's brought a whole new level of intimacy um, emotional intimacy into our relationship, and and he's just amazing. And so, um, you know, nobody in my family really wants to talk about like the big, you know, cloud that's out there. Um, and really, what is there to talk about? You know, whenever I say I just want to talk about, well, what do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, it's you know, we're waiting for a decision on the appeal, and then we'll know more. Um, and so we just enjoy each other. Um, you know, we have a business in Alaska, and my husband's an Alaska resident, so he's up there all summer, and I'm up there with the kids a lot of the summer, and. We were really fortunate last summer with COVID happening that we were still able to open up there. And we Mm -hmm. had like the best summer of our lives. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, where you're focusing on like the here and now. And if I'm going to make this my best last day, last metaphorically ever, how Mm -hmm. am I going to spend it? How am I going to enjoy it? And you know, I mean, you you make memories. Like when I give my kids a gift, it's usually an experience, like a concert or a trip mm-hmm. or something, because you can't ever lose memories. No one can take those away from you. The government tried to take everything I owned away from me, but they can't take away my memories and they can't take away my experiences and my family. Or who you are. And you've handled all of this with such humility and grace. I really give you credit. Thank you. Amy, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. Where we, where can we find you and where can we find the book? So um, the book can be found on Amazon or through my website, amyherrig.com. Um, you can find me on there. I also have a author profile on Facebook. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for being on the thank show. You. I'm, I'm Nellie Shudo. And I'm Martha Jackson. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>